Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Welcome to another week of the Max Fun Drive. Yes. This Our is nice fun. Our mellow Max Fun Drive. Our yeah. mellow Max Fun Drive. It's fun. It's week three. We've never... This is uncharted territory. For everybody. Yeah. Usually we, it's only two. What happens in week three? This, I guess. Right. We're experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll find (laughs) out. I wonder if it's sort of like, you know, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine when, uh, what's her face, success, like drinks, more drinks and each drink, Amy gets. Yeah. And like two drink Amy, three drink Amy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really into sex and then another one's really sad and Uh another one's like really goofy and yeah. That's like one week max fun drive, two weeks max fun drive. So what's week three max fun drive like? Is it? Uh, we'll see. So I, from from my perspective, it's sweaty, but that's just because this part of my apartment is touched <laughs> by the air conditioning. That's right. You heard it here first, folks. It's the sweaty week of Max yes. Fun Drive. There you go. All uh, of my weeks are sweaty now. <laughs> I know what's special about week three of Max Fun Drive. What's that? This is the week that um, our bonus episode will be available. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. There's so much bonus content, and ours is going to join all the other bonus content with welcome. They will hug them all. You can listen to it. If you become a member, you can listen to all this great content. Um, we are a listener-supported network, and uh, because of uh, all of our members that we are so grateful for that help support us, we are able to continue to make the shows we make and uh, hopefully make them better, make our sound quality better, do more, do more of them. <laughs> do better of them and uh by going to maximumfund.org slash join to sign up and get some cool gifts uh you can help help us make our shows and help the whole network make all the shows that we make uh there are lots of levels five dollars a month ten dollars a month whatever you can do but we'll tell you more about the gifts later but for now just remember maximumfund.org slash join is uh the website to know so welcome welcome uh Riley, I really appreciated your topic this week. Thank you. You look surprised. I just, I am. <laughs> uh, well, it, it was a great opportunity to bond with uh, Charlie. Um, I did want to mention we had to build a fort in which to bond. Ah, That was the agreement. She would only watch the show with me that I had chosen that was not, she said, is it a cartoon? No. Hmm. Is it about little kids? And I was like, it's about teens. She loves saying she's going to be a teen soon. Even though she's not, she loves saying she is. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's about teens. And she said, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and I said, well, make a deal with me. You'll watch the show with me if I, and she said, build a fort instantly. <laughs> I Wait a second. So you're saying that I watched this show for no rewards whatsoever, and I could have had a fort. Is that what you're telling me right now? Because y- yep, you I feel could have a fort. cheated. I did not push the issue. I didn't know that there was <laughs> there was bargaining to be done for this, or I certainly would have done it. Can I tell you if I I wish I could share the fort? The, all my pictures of our fort have Charlie in them, so I won't share them on social media. I wish I could. It was a phenomenal fort that I built fort. out of couch cushions and pillows and all the blankets we had everything I and then I let Charlie decorate the inside of it she had like little string a little string of fairy lights she put up inside it um, she put some of her favorite books she like 
that's how she lined the walls. Instead of wallpaper, she just put books around the edges that that's she liked good. the covers. Um, she brought in some of her like little knickknacks from her dresser, mm-hmm. and then a painting of Justin. Yes. <laughs> what? Uh, well, okay. A painting of Justin uh, that um, one of his fans had sent him. It's we've had it for a while that Charlie keeps in her room. She put it up in the back of the fort like right under the fairy lights so it kind of looked like a shrine to justin oh good (laughs) and this is this is what she sat in the entire time we watched glee wow yeah in her fort it was a great i just have to say it was the best fort i've ever made that sounds like a really good fort yeah yeah fairy lights really make it yeah yeah it's like its own little home and the bo- the books were really it was very funny. It was like here's a Muppet book and here there were a couple comic books in there. She had to include those. And then she wanted one comic book open. It was a, a DC superhero girls comic and she wanted it open to a certain page and oh, then yeah, displayed. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is she's gotten this very honestly from the two of you. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say your all's house is kind of decorated with books because you just have bookshelves everywhere wow. with lots of books in them. So she's learned from you. It's important to have an extensive reference library. You never know. No, I get it. What you don't know. I've never gotten rid of a single book. I have way too many. I get it. I have to look through them sometimes just to see, like, what do I not know about? (laughs) Have you uh, heard of something called the Internet? It's all there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, (laughs) this is this is my favorite trick. It doesn't happen as much with Sydney. Because she lives with Justin, who is like one of the most internet savvy people of all time. That's true. But my that's my favorite thing that happens with our parents sometimes is they'll be like, I don't I don't know how to do this thing. Or like, how am I supposed to know how to use this or do this? I have no idea. We don't have the instruction booklet still and I have no I've never done this before and I'm like, What guys, just your your phone. Just look up how to blank and it's right there. Every every time it's about going somewhere, about like directions somewhere. <laughs> Whenever yeah. I hear the phrase "we're going to map it out," I'm like, "Oh no, no!" Because I envision like, are would they actually use? It reminds me of the maps? days of, of MapQuest <laughs> when they would type in the, the thing and print out the sheets with the step by step directions on them, mm. and Mom would have to sit up front and yell them out to Dad. <laughs> oh ho ho! I think they are one step away from road atlas days mm, mm-hmm. i think i think at any moment our parents would revert to whipping out physical paper maps yes and drawing routes i i actually i remember using those sit on your senior trip when we went mm-hmm. down to the beach and there were just like three giant map books in the back seat that we pulled from to figure out how to get from west virginia to <laughs> florida <laughs> we did we did and we would highlight the routes mm-hmm to go and gosh those were wild days you know in those days riley uh-huh. <laughs> you would um if you needed to stop somewhere like to stay halfway like if you weren't going to drive all the way and you uh-huh. want to stay at a hotel you would just kind of get to a point where like well i guess i've driven enough and you'd look for an exit with a hotel and then you'd just walk in and say like do you have any room nope <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. nothing no. booked ahead of time i remember using uh <laughs> I remember using MapQuest, <laughs> printed off MapQuest directions to get to Otakon, uh, I, my junior or senior year of high school. Uh, and we thought we were being real cute, marking them off as we went so we would know what we'd already done. We did not think that we have to come back 
from Osan. <laughs> oh no. So first off, you got to use the same directions in reverse, but that doesn't really work. And also, oh, we sharpied out all of the directions <laughs> on our way here. So it is, let's it see is where astounding. we go. <laughs> it is astounding how often using the directions in, in reverse did not work. No, that's, <laughs> that's not how directions work at all. <laughs> It's almost like some roads only go one direction. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and the uh, what is the? Oh gosh, what's the big turnpike that goes around like from Baltimore to DC? The oh, yeah, I know what you mean. There's that big. It, it goes in two directions as well. And if you get going on the wrong direction, you will end up in DC and uh, mm-hmm. and not Maryland. Uh, that's. Yeah, I don't know how we survived. <laughs> I don't know how we got back. I will just how we say, got there. my sense of direction is horrible. And I am so glad that I drive in the era of readily available, accurate GPS. Mm-hmm. That is <laughs> yeah, fair. I wouldn't get anywhere if I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, there, there was a time where I remember people used to know all the interstates that would like go places like they could just say like you will you take this one and then you take this one i remember it was like a challenge on like an old big brother or something oh my gosh like name all the interstates to get from one place to another and can you imagine doing that now dad still tries to do that with me sometimes i'm asking him how to get somewhere he's like well you just take the take 64 to here and then you hop on whatever and then you get on this and then you go a little bit and then you get off this exit mm-hmm. and you're there and i just look at him like I don't know why you think I can very, do this. It's a very dad thing. That's a very yeah. dadly, yeah. dadly skill. It's like when people tell you, "Oh, you just head west," and I'm like, "What? That? What? <laughs> I don't have a compass scene. <laughs> like, what is? Am I basing this off the the sunlight? Is there a crow that will direct me? What does this mean, west? I don't know west. I, I never understood that either. Like, I don't know. I don't want. I don't want compass directions. And also. I live in West Virginia, so we don't know distances. No. Everything is in time. Yeah. How far yeah. away is that? About an hour. How yeah. far away is that? Oh, at least two. How far away is that? Oh, that's just a long way. Mm-hmm. It's just which means like over three hours. Yeah, yeah. it's a ways away. <laughs> if you <laughs> honestly in West Virginia, further than ten minutes is a ways away. That's a ways away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I. Uh, Manhattan is set up on a grid. It is west, east, north, south. If I'm in Manhattan, mm-hmm. those directions mean something to me. But outside right. of that, it is just as just as useless as a as a a, a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you say that, you just got to look for the nearest tree, see which yeah. side the moss is growing on. And- <laughs> <laughs> I found north. Look for a suspicious cat that will lead you in your way. <laughs> Uh, so what did we miss on Glee? I um, I was trying to do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot. There's a lot that happens in Glee. (laughs) We watched Glee. Uh, Charlie, I will say, uh, once she got into it, she really liked it. And actually I had, uh, left the room for a second to chase Cooper and she turned on the next episode on her own while I was gone because she wanted to see what happened next. So. Although she did at one point say, mommy, what's sex? And I was like, Oh. oh, crap oh man what'd you say we'll talk about it when the episode's over okay and then she forgot forgot. (laughs) yeah Um. how many years do you think that'll work for you (laughs) 
I will have a frank, honest. I think you both know this about yes, me. Yes, I believe that a hundred percent. I will have an honest and open discussion when she really wants to know the answers to these questions. I don't think we're quite there, but once we're ready, when she looks at me and is ready, I will. You know, I will. I'll get out graphs oh, yeah. and charts and pictures and use the right name for everything. Um. <laughs> so Glee. <laughs> Uh, Glee started in May of 2009 and ended in 2015, so it was on for several years. Um, it was my favorite show, like, of all time. It was my greatest obsession for years. It was all I wanted to watch, all I wanted to talk about. I wanted to be in show choir. I was convinced that was what high school would be like, and that was what show choir would be like in high school. Little did I know that my high school didn't even have, like, a competitive show choir when I got to it. <laughs> Do they not? Was nope. illusion still not a thing? Nope. You can really? take the class show choir, but it's not like Glee. They don't just stand up and sing songs to each other. No. And they don't even compete. And you get to go to New York and sing about loving New York at the national show choir competition. <laughs> we sort of did that, though. I mean, we didn't go to New York, but uh-huh. like we went to Universal Studios and performed. See? You basically lived Glee. <laughs> I did live Glee. I mean, that's a Glee. There are parts of Glee that feel very real and familiar to me. Um, I I want to play a quick little game, real quick. I want I want you all to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score of Glee for the entire show as a whole, knowing that you all watched pretty much all the first season. Mm-hmm. Sydney, you've watched it all in in past years. Yeah. Um, and knowing that the viewership by the last season ended up being less than a third of what the viewership was for the Ooh. first two seasons. I just want everyone to guess what they think that Rotten Tomatoes score is. So, so that, that, I mean, I just want to make the assumption that means that what I saw is just the first season is considered the good part? Yeah. Oh. There are six seasons, and yeah. seasons one through three are usually like, that's good glee. Okay. Once you get past that, it's like, no, that's bad glee. Uh, it's like a lot of shows where they try to transition characters into the college years. Things start to go yeah. awry. <laughs> We're doing our best over here on Still Buff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, do, we did our home, man. <laughs> oh, <ooh>. yeah. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Uh, I'm going to guess a 25. Ooh. That's really low. I would have guessed 60. 60? It's a 71. Whoa. I know, right? I would not have guessed that. It's because those in those first three years, people really loved it. People loved Glee. People loved the music, too. Like, the the mashups and stuff were like, everybody was listening to those. So, I was reading about how it came to uh, fruition. Um, And it was Ian Brennan was one of the original writers of the show. And he originally wrote it as a movie and tried to find people to work with on it. And eventually... um, Ryan Murphy got involved and he said, well, this should be a TV show. This, you know, this lends itself to being a long running series. Um, if you go somewhere like Fox, where their top show at the time was American Idol, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm-hmm. people love musical shows there. Just make this into a musical and combine it with like the top songs of every week and musical theater songs for those kind of people. <laughs> and you've got a great show <laughs> for those for kind those of kind people. of people, which you know isn't the majority of people watching, you know, like Fox. Um, and apparently, within 15 hours of Fox receiving the pilot, they picked up the show. And also, I bet it's easier to write the show when you know that you can take up big chunks of it with musical numbers. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw a video Less once that was like Glee yeah. per episode. <laughs> the Glee without the musical numbers is like 15 minutes of dialogue <laughs> for an hour long show. <laughs> um, 
Just, you just put in some musical numbers, some slushies in the face, and yeah. Yeah. you just got a few lines to write. Yeah. A lot of wasted slushies there. Oh. Yeah. Which is just a wild way of jocks bullying nerds is supposed to be the thing. You throw a slushie in their face? Like, what it... You paid for the slushie, and you don't even get to drink it. You're throwing it in someone's face. It's hard for me to, like... That... I think now, obviously, the way that people are treated like that, like the idea that like that would be okay mm-hmm. is a very cynical yeah. view of high school that um, it would not, it would be such a thing. Can you imagine if that happened? That would be such a big oh, yeah. deal um, now. But I, but then I, when I look back to when I was in high school, I don't remember people like tormenting people like that openly in the hallways well, in a I way that either. like administrators would see and teachers yeah. would see and turn a blind eye. I mean, I'm not saying like, People weren't tormented in sure. high school. Many people were. But, like, I don't know. that It was never like it was in the movies and TV shows where you saw, like, people being thrown up against lockers and asked for their lunch money or whatever. And teachers looking away so they didn't get involved. Yeah. I did have once, I was collecting money for, like, a, it was like a, a charity walk for some sort of, I don't know, it was mm-hmm. one of those walk for life things and I had my little can that was for money and one of the it was in health class and one of the older kids that was cool he walked in and he put his gum (gasps) in the slot and said there you go and my first thought was oh no and then my second thought was this is like one of those moments in the movie (laughs) (laughs) I'm in it (laughs) that was the one though that was the one outside of that it was all just you know behind your back kind of stuff but that was a very very cinematic moment of bullying in my youth yeah, it it has a lot of glee. And I don't know if I would have thought about this when I was watching it when I was younger, but it has a lot of cynicism about like the public school system and about the way that adults feel about teenagers and treat teenagers. And like, um, I don't know, a lot of that doesn't really it's hard for me now as a grown up. I'm like, eh, I don't want to like, I don't believe that is true most of the time. I don't believe that default. It makes me sad to think about. <laughs> right. I don't. It's harder for me. Whereas a kid, I probably didn't pick up on as much of that. Yeah. Well, I wasn't a kid when I watched it, but I was. I was uh, younger. Yeah. It started like what eleven years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh my. I was less mature than I am now. Gosh. Um. Yeah. But for those of you who don't know, Glee is about a show a show choir at a high school in Ohio. Um, and you've got your your cheerleaders, your mean cheerleading coach, your mm-hmm. football players, and then. The Glee Club, the show choir that eventually gets the jocks and the cheerleaders and the cool people to join and rise and to show choir fame. The And the thing that uh, they do early on to like raise the Glee Club out of like total um, the social sub basement, I think is where they say they are, mm-hmm. uh, is they do a performance at an assembly for the whole school mm-hmm. uh, of salt and peppers push it yes <laughs> and because it's so sexy everybody's like we love we the glee love glee club, club. <laughs> which is that it was funny <laughs> what do you want to say tay because i have these are my thoughts on this i just thought that that moment was a a very much a suspension of disbelief because as i was watching it i'm like oh surely the this is going to be they get laughed off the stage and then it's like a big fail and then when the whole audience stood up and cheered uh, in celebration, I thought, oh, okay, well, 
That's not accurate. Now, Taylor, would you be surprised to know that this is not the only time in the series that the Glee Club starts a sex riot in the auditorium with their sexy Glee Club performance? I, I didn't know that would be a uh, re- something they would return to. That's a theme. Yep. The- it was simultaneously. Oh, no. That's a thing. It's, it's simultaneously because it is set up kind of opposite this plot line about the celibacy club. And the thing about the celibacy club is that it's like this idea of like all the popular kids are in the celibacy club, but m- many of them are having sex yes. and are not in fact celibate. Um, they're just in it because it's what they think their parents want and what sure. looks good. It's like being in the coolest club. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. And so, so I think they're trying to like play this like other side of it, which is like, here are these like outcast kids who are having this like honest and open discussion about the fact that like we should talk about sex because teens are having it. And Mm -hmm. if we are open about it, then we can be sex positive. And like, they're trying to do that. But what it ends up is like the club does this weird sex show in front of of the whole school. And it's funny because I thought, well, I was in show choir and like, that's not that far off. Like, The nerdy kids were up to all kinds of freaky stuff that nobody knew about. Yeah, and so, I like, believe that. You know, it's not that isn't that off base, but nobody like nobody did it in front of the school because then everybody would have made fun of you. I don't know. I, it was, it's this weird moment of simultaneously like, oh, I recognize that, and oh, but that was not the reaction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's I, that was the part. I, I just it, I don't think that they're. I don't know. Like you just perform that really sexy solo on stage in the school musical and the popular kids are like actually you know what i've never really looked at you the way i should <laughs> that happen. The, the best is i think the next season when they do a britney spears assembly and they sing toxic and it is again a sexy number but this time mr shoe sings toxic and dances with them in front of the whole school. Uh, okay, we need to talk about that, this. Is a great <laughs> yeah. segue into um, the so the director of the show choir, William Schuster, Mr. Shue, as yes. he is known by his students, uh, is a frequent performer. <laughs> and I want to I want to dissect that and some of the particular performances that he seems um, apt to do. But mm-hmm. before we do that, let's check the group message. <laughs> Uh, first of all, I have big news for you all this week on the group message. What's that? I did an art. What? <laughs> you did an art? I did an art. Uh, all on my own, Tay. That's good. I'm- That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I am not uh, an artistically inclined person. When it comes to like any sort of, uh, I believe you would call it rendering, Taylor. <laughs> Making things look like they look. Ah, yes, yes. Can't do that at all. Uh, so I don't feel like I have ever really been able to use that medium to ex- like visual art to express myself in any way because I'm not I'm not very adept at it. Uh, and then we got wild gears. What are wild gears? Well, they it's basically like the spirographs, the idea that you used to use when you were younger, except they're they're so much better. They're more precise. Uh, they're laser cut gears. They're beautiful. They've got all different kinds of like sizes and shapes and um, I mean, they're really they're really easy to use once you get the hang of it, and you can create designs and things that are way beyond what you could do with what you're remembering the spirographs you used as a kid. So I was able to try these out with Charlie, 
Uh, she had a blast with them, and I was actually able to like make something that was cool and looked mm-hmm. good and was nice, and I could share with other people. They were they were really easy to use, really easy to learn, and it it really is. I know this sounds like a small thing, but I always assumed art was something I could not do. It was like this is not for me. I can't do art. I don't know how. I'm bad at it. And I could create something that was, you know, abstract and different and cool. And it was a fun experience. It was fun to use. I could share it with my kid and I felt really good about it. Yeah. You know, so uh, you can make all kinds of designs. They're really high quality. Uh, Like I said, it's like the Spirograph you remember using, but Wild Gears has taken it to that next level. And right now we all need something that's kind of uh, relaxing and fun and freeing to uh, express ourselves while we're at home. For sure. So, Tay, if our listeners want to check out Wild Gears, what should they do? Well, you can discover Wild Gears and get a 20% discount at wildgears.com slash stillbuffering. So get that 20% discount, wildgears.com slash, oh, sorry, wildgears.com slash stillbuff. That's right, wildgears.com slash stillbuff. Check them out. Yeah. Um, I have a great announcement. Okay. So we already talked about how it's Max Fun Drive. It's week three. Remember, that's uh, MaximumFun.org slash join if you want to sign up to become a Maximum Fun member of our family. Um, but this week, we have something very special. So we have our gifts, which we've talked about a little bit. You know, $5 a month, we have all that great bonus content from every past Max Fun Drive, every single show. This year, we're playing more D&D with our mom. We did last year as well. Lots of great episodes of all your shows you listen to. At $10 a month, you get to pick your favorite enamel pin, and you get that as your monthly or as your uh, member gift. But for all of our members at the $10 a month level or higher, now you can purchase additional pins from the Max Fun store. So if there were like three you couldn't choose between and you just picked one, but you still want those other two, now you can get them. It's That's great. A, there's so many good ones. There's It's hard to choose even even for me, mm-hmm. which one I like the best. So uh, now you have the opportunity to to get more than one. Yeah. Um, and like Riley said, there are lots of levels to contribute at. There's a $5 a month, $10 a month, whatever you feel comfortable. There are higher higher dollar amounts as well and gifts associated with every one of those levels. Um, but a lot of people like the pins. They look great on jackets and vests and backpacks. and Which is why ours is bags. my favorite yeah. because it's very meta. Ours is a little jean jacket that has a still buffering patch across the back and a bunch of other little cute patches. So if you wear it on your jean jacket, it's like, whoa jacket on your jean jacket and it's important to know all the proceeds from the additional pins that you buy go to charity hmm. that's great so not only are you you know if you're at the ten dollar a month level you're supporting the network and if you buy extra pins you're supporting a great cause uh so yeah. you know you're doing check great that stuff out. and thank you thank you if yes. you are a member uh if you if you aren't but you share our show tell a friend share a link tweet about it whatever that really helps us out um thank you for all that you do and helping us make this possible um and if you want to do if you want to join if you want to upgrade maximumfund.org slash join okay i need to talk more about mr william schuster (laughs) i had forgotten how often he was involved in the in the music yeah um i like to forget about it sometimes (laughs) i mean 
mean, it's well, fine in the context of the show, in as much as I think all of these actors are kind of similarly aged, right? Like, yeah. he's, he's played yeah. by a young dude. The actors are a little bit older than what they're portraying. But yeah, then sure. you think about this in like actual high school experience. Like, oh, that would be super weird and kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it always, and like, in in choir classes, like your teacher did sing periodically, sure, but it was usually like to like help you with the part, like to show you. It wasn't like in a performance. Well, and it was never like, okay, kids, here's the number you're about to do, but before I have you all do it, I'm going to hit the beatbox <laughs> and perform it for you all alone in the room. Here I go. That would have been wild yeah <sighs> he just i like i i respect matthew morrison as a performer he was a yeah, broadway he's, he was a broadway very, guy he's very talented obviously he's very talented um and he has a great voice but just some of the song choices when you think about this very white high school teacher mm-hmm. for the first season he sings a lot of songs by black artists and mm-hmm. he raps a lot Yes. Uh, I, well, and that's, I mean, partially because, I, you know, I think one of the criticisms of Glee is there there aren't a lot of black performers in the cast there to, aren't. to do those performances, unfortunately. Yeah. No, and that, it get, it kind of gets into, like, watching Glee now in today's world. It, it gets into what I think is both the thing it did well and the thing that it did poorly mm-hmm. um, at the exact same time, which is... I think that there were a lot of shows that didn't really know how to address any issues that mattered, didn't know how to talk about things, so they just didn't talk about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, I mean, the the staffs of the shows that were making the shows were not diverse in any way. So they didn't just stay away from those issues. Or you have shows, uh, like Riley, you had said, How I Met Your Mother was on in this time frame, Mm -hmm. too, which was a show that... I very much enjoyed some elements of, but woof, did not age well in others. And was a very not diverse cast yes. and crew and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think Glee tried to handle some of these issues. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's very clunky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, and, and in some ways it was just like, it didn't even see how bad it looks to have a Glee club that is, is not very racially diverse in many ways and they would tackle a song by a black artist and have their white leads perform it. Yeah. Um, or the white teacher perform it. Which is just a bad on another level. Because yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, I won't even let one of my students do it. Yeah. I'm going to do and, and he And like at that point on the show, they have black members of the Glee Club. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to use white people. So, I mean, it's all, there are some of those issues where it's like, ooh. Yeah. Why? I mean, now you hopefully wouldn't see that now in 2020. Sure. Hopefully. Um, it also it makes you think about like it, it's a show that I mean it started in 2009. It tried I think to be a more diverse cast and show with plots that were probably uh, a little bit more inclusive, I guess, than a lot of other shows at the time. I mean, it had openly gay main cast members it had not white main cast members but it also you know had bullies that said really offensive things to these people in minority groups and the bullies also weren't ever like 
made out to be the horrible bad people that get punished for being horrible bad people to all these diverse groups of people. They were just like other characters. So yes, it was shown to be bullying all these offensive things that were said in the show. But like, is it okay to continue saying all those offensive things, even if it's bullying, if nothing ever comes of it? Well, and if you try to redeem the characters who do it, too. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's the hard thing is, like, the character Sue Sylvester, who's in charge of the cheerleading squad, um, Jane Lynch, mm-hmm. it says some, at least in the first season, and probably continuing, it's just, I, I, I don't remember it as well, mm-hmm. some really horrific things. Yeah. Um, and if you're playing that character for the villain, and they just... And I don't know. I mean, I guess from a story arc, you hope that they either have some giant change of heart and like try to make amends for all the damage they've done or from a storytelling perspective, they get their comeuppance. Sure. But I I never feel like either happens. Like we redeem and try to like, well, they might be bad in these ways, but here are these other ways we're going to humanize them that makes this thing okay. And it's yeah. like, well, no, because homophobia is never okay and transphobia is never okay and you know racism is never okay and so you can't you can't balance out that bad stuff in the character with some good stuff later right but i think it's you know as we were talking beforehand said you made the good point that it is set in high school and so some of these sort of uh, i think you used the word clunky like trying to like introduce a character whose identity is kind of you know something that is either mocked in the show or used as a joke but then people have to come around to that like in high school that is like when we're young we have a, a lot of people uh, you know across the nation and around the world they grow up with wrong ideas about people they grow up with limited closed-minded ideas and you have to be exposed to other people and you 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 know have to kind of open yourself up to those people and so that's something that teens go through so to show like a teen learning how Mm -hmm. to be more accepting and open-minded i think is is it's valid it is when it's an adult it's kind of well now we're just you know like that's it's hard to root for an adult to like have a turnaround and like a you know grow as a character because they should already be there the kids it's a little bit easier to stomach Especially when it's an adult who is making these attacks on kids, Mm. yeah, most of the time, yeah. That and I think I think a lot of that is kind of played for laughs. Mm -hmm. I mean, frankly, I I don't think it is about sending a message. Sure, Um, I do think that when you talk about the relationships between the the teen characters, you do see more of what you're saying, Tay, which is, you know, that the characters start out with very limited perspectives, some of them, and then grow in their acceptance and understanding. And become better humans. I do think you see that evolution happening. And I think at times it's handled well. Mm -hmm. And is very powerful and meaningful. And representation. You know. At that time period was still rare. Mm -hmm. And and so like. When you see the relationship that develops between like. Kurt and Blaine. Mm -hmm. Or Brittany and Santana. Like those are lovely to see. In a show aimed at teens. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't. I don't know. It's such a mixed bag. Well, I mean, like, it's just there's a there's a storyline. I think probably past the first season, but there's a there's a football player who is horrible to Kurt, who is a gay character, mm-hmm. um, who bullies him horribly physically, you know, uh, verbally, and then at some point you realize that this character is horrible to Kurt because he is also gay, but he is closeted and he is scared of coming out of the closet. Um, because he's scared of being 
not accepted by his family or by his friends. Um, and then later on throughout the series, you see him come out, you see him, you know, start accepting who he is, start dating men, which is like a good storyline, I think, to see, because then you see that like uh, reconciliation between him and Kurt, where he's like, I was angry because I was jealous that you were who you were and I couldn't be. And that's not OK. But, you know, I'm sorry. And I'm trying to be better now. Which is, I think, if you're going to have that sort of storyline where you have this horrible homophobic character and you bring it back around that way, I think is at least a way of showing, like, that's something that really happens. Mm -hmm. And that's good to show because you're seeing that bad things happen and there's a way to get something good out of it. Mm -hmm. I I agree. uh, But I do think that there's a certain... I mean, this is just true about all media. And maybe that's why we're all trying to be... Like, we're talking about a show that's 10 years old, so different time. But... We all, I think, owe it to audiences to be more responsible because ultimately I think life does tend to imitate art. And that narrative mm-hmm. of, oh, the closet case bullies other queer people and then they come out right. and all is forgiven. They're like, you know, that's that's that explains it all. Like also puts a pass on behavior that is people that are repressing their identities, abusing of course. other yeah. people. Sure. And it's like that's at some point that can't be an excuse. Uh, right. That's. And so that kind of reinforces that, that it's okay. They were gay the whole time. It's like, they still abused other people. Right. And that's why I think, I think it's hard because like uh, in some ways, um, you know, I like, uh, Charlie's a little young for Glee. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she likes the, she likes the songs with the singing and dancing. Like that was really like, if I, if I could have just shown her a mashup of the mashups, she would have been very happy. Sure. Um, But you know, I, I like exposing her to things with diversity, with diverse characters, with, you know, that that show the entire gender spectrum and, you know, sexual orientation and, and racial diversity. I like that. Um, and certainly Glee hits some of those notes, you know, um, <laughs> early on from the jump. <laughs> I see what I you did there. It's notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> notes. Because it's a music Song show. Thing. But then, but. I didn't mean to, but I did. But but then it's like I in the in one of the episodes early on they have I won't get in the plot gets so convoluted sometimes. For reasons sometimes always <laughs> for reasons that surpass understanding. Sue Sylvester is co captain or co coach of the Glee Club and they split the Glee Club into two factions and she takes all of the students who are minority students. And her point is you don't do service to these students in your club. Mm-hmm. You put them in the background and never allow them to shine. Mm-hmm. And I am going to do something different. Now, she has other nefarious intentions and all this other stuff and yeah. there's problems. But what she says in that moment is so true mm-hmm. about the series up to that point and is, a, and is a criticism that you could level at the Glee Club and then on a meta level at Glee. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it's an opportunity at that moment. I re- as I was watching it, I thought, oh, she's the good guy in this narrative mm-hmm. because what she's saying is true. And it, maybe this gives them the chance to course correct. But I don't really feel like the show takes it. <laughs> they don't. I, I feel like there's so many ideas about like, oh, I want to talk about this. And then it's like, oh, I'm bored with that. Let's talk about this now. OK, let's talk about this. And yep. we never get a chance to really have that conversation and then fix the problem for the show mm-hmm. because like, okay, can we then finally have Mercedes have the big solo since, like, she's every bit the singer that, you know, Rachel Rachel Berry is? is. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, comes up again two seasons later when 
the Glee, some of the Glee Club mem- members like Mercedes and Santana get tired of not ever having moments to shine. So they start their own Glee Club mm-hmm. and they have another all female Glee Club where they're the two head singers. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, they're better than the New Directions. But of course, they lose to the New Directions and have to go back and join that Glee Club and then continue being well, back up for Rachel. How many more sad ballads do we have to see Rachel and Femme perform to each other, really? <sighs> I just... <laughs> It, like at first you're like oh okay like the the nerdy musical theater girl and the football player they're never gonna end up together but oh they're singing a love song and now they're in love but then it's like it's been four seasons or are they still singing emotional ballads together we get it <laughs> and the, and there's some stuff that doesn't i as a parent um and as an adult like there's some plot lines that I, the whole well william schuster's wife is pretending to be pregnant. Like yeah. initially she has what they keep referring to as a hysterical pregnancy, um, which is not usually a term. I was going to say that term itself <laughs> is pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> Sounds wrong. Yeah. Right. Uh, but she, she thinks she is pregnant and she goes and finds out she's not actually pregnant. And then at that point she knows she's not, this is not a, you know, a psychiatric condition. She mm-hmm. knows she's not pregnant. She's just pretending to be and that whole plot line is rough. I mean, yeah. it's it's all that I, I have a problem with. And as an adult, I'm watching thinking, oh, I hate this whole storyline. I don't like anything that's happening here. Um, then she hands out pseudoephedrine to all the children in one episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, uh, well, that was like when they brought on, uh, oh, gosh, um, uh, Kristen Chenoweth. Is that? Yeah. Yes. Uh, her episode where she's brought on as like mm-hmm. a past member of, of the Glee Club from like mm-hmm. yeah shoe, uh, shoes era and she's it's just played all for jokes that she's sleeping with students and giving them alcohol mm-hmm. and it's it's like I guess my my problem with it because I went in thinking this was gonna be like lighthearted silly show it actually has very dark humor it it gets it's mm-hmm. very uncomfortable mm-hmm. at some points uh, when you're kind of lampooning all of these things equally. Like, it's all just kind of played for laughs. You're putting on level, like, making fun of Will because of, I don't know, like, his hair or something with, like, you know, oh, like, this, it's funny to, like, sleep with children and make fun of black people. Like, you're putting, yeah, you're making fun of everybody equally, but some of these insults are a lot more dangerous than others. Yeah. I, I think that's where the, I think that's where everything gets muddy. I think that's why you can't just like celebrate the moments where it does something that's very progressive for the time not for now but for the time because there are so many moments like that where it is just accepted from the moment we meet the character puck that he's a teenager who is sleeping with adult women yeah and that is just like haha and i mean we talked about it on dawson's creek like that whole plot line is played out with pacey and his teacher and it's like he's a child She's yeah. an adult. This is wrong. You know, yeah, this, is, I, this is all wrong. It's not funny. It's not romantic. It's not lovable or sweet or silly. It's not cool. It's statutory rape. Yeah. And it, like, yes, I, I know what you And I mean, Glee falls into that sometimes. We were just like, uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to laugh at or with or around this subject. Don't, you know, handle yeah. this better. Handle this yeah. better. Well, that's, that's the, it's the, the fallacy of like the oven equal opportunity insulter. It's like, yeah, but some insults 
have a lot more cultural harm. Uh, yeah, the, the South Park gambit. Exactly. Like, oh, if we <laughs> yeah. make fun of everybody, it's fine. I'm like, nope, still not fine. There are some people that are a lot more, you know, impenetrable to insults that it's that insult doesn't endanger their ability to live a life. So they are different. They're yeah. different. <laughs> I think that's exactly what it is. You can't have a villain like Sue Sylvester who is supposed to be this comedic villain which if you want that to be her character then make it so the the insults she makes are about like will using butter as his hair product or like at one point they make a joke about her throwing sticks at them and they say no literally she threw sticks at us and it's just her standing there in the hallway throwing twigs at one of them like make that your comedic villain don't Mm -hmm. make it that she's supposed to be this funny character but also she says horribly offensive things to all minorities at all times like that, that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. now that you say that. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning before we wrap up. Um, recently, the character of Santana was played by Naya Rivera, and she passed away just a few weeks ago, which was so sad. Um, it was very sad to hear about. But she played a character who had um, an arc about her sexuality in later seasons and later came out as a lesbian and was openly gay, ended up marrying Brittany, Um but she had a really important character arc for me to see growing up because I was a teenager just starting out in middle school, high school when all that was on TV and watching her like not be able to accept herself even when the people around her were saying, we know this is who you are and that's okay, we love you anyways. But her problem was with her not being able to be okay with herself. It wasn't that she was worried about everyone else. She didn't want to say it out loud because she thought that would change everything for her if she did. And eventually she did and she was very happy And you saw her character become this overall just happier person because she was finally living her life as who she is. And that was really important for me to see on TV. I do think that is one of the plot lines that Glee did pretty right, was giving characters like that airtime and story time. And Mm -hmm. that was very important, I think, for not just me, a lot of people. Yeah, and I thought that the Finn is the character from the original cast. Mm -hmm. His coming out to his dad, I thought, was really... Or, or Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. Finn's yeah. yeah. quarterback. Uh, Kurt's coming out to his dad, I thought was really, like, yeah. it, was, it, was a, it was a very touching moment to see just, you yeah. know, like, acceptance. So I, I agree with you. Like, there there are narratives there that I I think that were really cool and, and definitely different for the time. Yeah. And it, it, it is, you know, it, when you said that, it just reminded me, there was one interaction, uh, Kurt, in, early on in the series has a crush on Finn mm-hmm. but he's approaching Finn to ask him about something else entirely and when he walks up to him he says can I ask you something and Finn says oh I'm sorry I don't want to go to homecoming with you um, I really I'm very flattered mm-hmm. um, and I know how important dances are to gay teens <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm not gay or something like that but the way he says it is actually it's very much like I'm not offended. I'm not grossed out. I'm not like it was very there was this moment where it was like the show could be more like this. Like this is just a guy saying thank you. But no, I don't. I would rather not. Yeah, I'm straight. It's like, I don't know. There are moments in the show where you see like, okay, that was like a there's almost a healthy interaction that almost and almost it's it's undercut. And I mean, but maybe, you know, it's worth noting that Ryan Murphy is obviously one of the producers of the show. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Ryan Mm -hmm. Murphy's gay. Like. The fact that all these these plot lines we're talking about are gay plot lines, and that they're handled sure. with a certain amount of like, they're, they're showing things that people it's good to show on TV. The kind of the the dialogues, mm-hmm. the acceptance, the narratives. That that's because you've got some a, a, a gay person in the writers' room. So 
maybe it's just it kind of harkens to the importance of having not just what we're seeing on screen, but that the people that are making these things have that experience to be able to write narratives that are properly informed. Yes, I, I think you're exactly. And I think that is the that is one of the takeaways from Glee that we haven't haven't quite mentioned. But just as a general point, shows about gay characters do better when you have gay people playing the characters and you have gay people writing and informing the characters shows about trans characters do better when you have trans actors playing the characters and trans people in the writing room same thing with we have a character in glee who uses a wheelchair who mm-hmm. is not nothing against this actor who is wonderful and talented but sure. you know if you have an, a character in a wheelchair you should have it played by an actor in a wheelchair just like they do lay, later in the series have yeah. an actor with down syndrome playing a character with down syndrome yeah you know there there are you can do that and yeah. that makes your show more uh it makes it better it makes it more rich more diverse more uh accessible to all audiences it creates better art yeah. when you include everybody in the process behind the scenes and on stage you know yeah both and that is something that again it's hit or miss it's a mixed bag with glee sometimes sure. they got it and then many times they didn't I think if you made Glee today, it would be a very different show in a lot of ways. But I do think some parts of it would still probably be very similar. <laughs> still going to have like the, the outcast Glee club that sings songs that sometimes it's just ridiculous and unbelievable. Well, that is that is the thing I, I alluded to in the beginning and I will echo. There are moments of Glee that felt very true to life to me. Mm-hmm. In show choir, we w- were weird, a lot of us. <laughs> um, we... Uh, were overly dramatic a lot of times. Sure. There was always um, sexual drama going on, relationship drama going on. There was a mixture of kids from a lot of different like backgrounds, mm-hmm. and and you know that we we were a diverse group, um, and we weren't exactly considered the coolest. Sure, <laughs> but we did. We did perform songs for our own enjoyment in the choir room not uncommonly yeah um that did happen i I will say where we would just like in between classes or before the teacher would show up turn on a song and start performing it and casting shows and doing our own thing so like there are parts of it that are very yeah they're show choir well (laughs) thank you all for watching glee with me it's uh I know Sydney, you watched it before, Taylor. I'm sorry this this was a forced first viewing, but no, you know, I I there were things I really enjoyed about it, and also clearly it had an important impact in in you, you know, figuring yourself out, right? Yeah. So for that, if nothing else, I'm thankful for it. Well, I appreciate you all, Sydney. What is next? Uh, I want to I want us to do a show. I want us to cover a show that is new, that is very new, and I think addresses some of the same kinds of ideas as glee some of them not all of them uh but in a in a more up-to-date more progressive better way okay the babysitter's club that is not what i was there's expecting no... but okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's i would say markedly less sex <laughs> i would think so as in none uh but uh but many other issues that come up that we've talked about with glee that i think that are they're handled so well it's aimed at a younger audience, I would say. Um, but still, I don't think... I, I, of course, was a huge fan of the books back in the day. And I've read... I don't know if I've read everyone, but mm-hmm. pretty darn close. 
but you don't have to read the books to appreciate the series. If you do, you'll see a lot of the similarities. It's kind of fun yeah. to watch. But um, but it's a new show. It's on Netflix. Netflix and I watched the whole thing with Charlie. Oh. I was much. I feel much prouder about exposing her to that. Yeah, I, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, but I think you all would enjoy it, and uh, I think our our listeners would enjoy it. Well, I'm looking forward to it. As much. Um, you don't have to read the books, by the way. Oh, I will. Good. I'll provide some context. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll read a Wikipedia article. Yeah, I can uh, do that. Why did, yeah. Hey, yeah. there was also a movie right that came out in our time. Our timeline. Mm-hmm. Our time. Oh, your in timeline. Our timeline. <laughs> we are on the wrong timeline now. Uh, it had Alex Mack in it, right? The the girl that turned yes. into the goo. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So you could, if you would like to watch the film, you can. Ooh. Yeah. There's that. Um. I, one more time before we go, I want to thank all of our listeners uh, for listening at all. And then thank you for those of you, especially who are members, um, who, uh, you know, provide support to our show, to our network, to continue doing the things we do by, by being a monthly uh, donating member of Maximum Fun. This is the Max Fun Drive time. So if you were thinking about joining and you're in a position to do so, this is the right time to do it because you get a, you get a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there are all kinds of levels, whatever you are capable of doing, we appreciate it. The $5 level, you get all of the bonus content over 200 hours, so much listening enjoyment. Um, at the $10 level, you get to pick which pen you like, one of our awesome enamel pens uh, designed by Megan Lynn Cott. And right now, you can also, um, if you're at the $10 monthly level or more, you can buy whatever other pens mm-hmm. you, you would like and the proceeds from that go to benefit a charitable organization and um, we really appreciate it if you can do that if if you can share our show or tell somebody about it we appreciate that too uh, you can tweet at us at still buff you can email us at still buffering at and don't forget that website maximumfund.org slash join if you can become a member now and thank you to the novellas for our theme song baby change your mind this has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us I am Riley Smurl I'm Sydney McRoy and I'm Taylor Smurl I'm still buffering. And, and I am, am too. Now quick, we'll do a mashup of the thong song and I could have danced all night. Oh, man, I can't believe it. <laughs> You're doing it by yourself. Okay. <laughs> you guys aren't that helping. Is that the show? Is that the show? <laughs> I can believe it, but I also, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'm Bria Grant, an e-reader who loves spoilers and chocolate. And I'm Mallory O'Mara, a print book collector who will murder you if you spoil a book for me. And we're the hosts of Reading Glasses, a podcast designed to help you read better. Over the past few years, we've figured out why people read. Self-improvement. Escapism. To distract ourselves from the world burning down. And why they don't. Not enough time. Not knowing what to read. And being overwhelmed by the number on their TBR list. And we're here to help you with that. We will help you conquer your TBR pile while probably adding a bunch of books to it. Reading glasses. Every week on MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.